You're listening to 360 Degrees, the podcast from the University of Southampton with me, Emily Harrison. Now, you'll all be aware of Southampton FC, the Saints Football Club, but you may not be as familiar with the Saints Foundation, which is a charity attached to the football club, which does some fantastic work in the city. On this week's episode, I chat to Greg from the Saints Foundation, who talks more about the kinds of work that they do, the people that they work with, and what's been going on in the last year. Hope you enjoy listening. So I'm Greg Baker, I'm head of Saints Foundation and Community Partnerships at Southampton Football Club. Been here for around about six years now. During that time, have hopefully helped to develop the foundation into what it is today. And for anyone that doesn't know, can you just give us an overview of what the Saints Foundation is and what you do? So Saints Foundation is the charity of Southampton Football Club. And effectively, we describe ourselves as the club's way of giving back. So really as a way of giving back to those people that both support us on a weekly basis as fans, but also just really giving back to the wider community. So it's really important to stress that what we do and the way that we support the community is not only to support fans, it's to support those people that have you know, zero interest in football right across the community. So yeah, we are an independent organisation, but very, very heavily linked and, and, and aligned to the football club. And what are some of the ways, like going more in depth into that work? How are you working with people? How are you helping people? Do you have set programs that people engage yeah. with? Or like, how does that all work? Yeah, so we we work with people right across the community, really based on need. And we work right from primary school age up to um, older adults. So I think last year, our youngest participant was four and our oldest was 103. So what we are is is quite restricted in terms of our geographical approach. We're very much a city-based organisation. Um, but in, our, in terms of our thematic approach, really trying to support people that need support at all, at all stages of their life. So making an assumption that you know, me and you are kind of okay. Actually, Saints Foundation is not for us. We, we don't just run programs sort of willy-nilly, but we're based on need. So whether that's around a young person in primary school that might be struggling um, with their maths and English and you know, a, bit, a bit of support to teach that in a different way, might be struggling with them, their emotional literacy and well-being through to becomes a bit more targeted over the years in terms of our secondary school programs. We've got a full-time member of staff in 10 of the 14 um, secondary schools, including the the SEN and, and, and pupil referral unit, which really is working with individual young people that might be struggling with their mainstream education to really sort of try to support them in a different way. So around raising aspirations, around sort of, you know, really to try and to help them to fulfill their potential, whatever it might be. Because obviously not every young person in the community is going to be hugely what we would consider traditionally academic, but actually everyone, we think everyone's got a talent. So therefore, how do we support those individuals in school working very closely with the school to, to engage those young people? I'm going to miss out a huge amount of what we do here. But as we work through the sort of the age continuum, we do back to work programs and, and work readiness programs for young people 16 to 24, which is really about the intention of, of upskilling them, but also really to around life skills as well as that job readiness skills. And then we have a program called Saints of Sport, which is working with, with adults that might be going through a number of challenges. Um, so, for example, that might have mental health issues, might have drug and alcohol dependency, uh, might be coming out of prison, really to try to get them back on track. And um, so really trying to offer a positive routine where there might have been a negative routine before. So making an assumption that someone might be, you know, 
that might be addicted to substances, for example, that's a very negative routine. How do we replace that with a positive routine of sport and development? So offering a couple of sessions a day where people can come along and, and really sort of try to get themselves back on track. And then within the older age bracket, we work a fairly substantive program called Senior Saints, which is working with older people over the age of 65 really to try to do two things one to support those adults that are socially isolated so how do we how do we provide a a really positive um, engagement tool for those individuals that might not see people from week to week but also around physical wellness as well and those two things as we see right across the board will go pretty much hand in hand as i say there's loads of other stuff that we do that i will have missed out but that's a general gist of what we do across the sort of the age brackets we also have a fairly substantive disability program which is working with young people and adults with both physical and cognitive impairments um, which is a mainly a football-based program but also um, really looking much more around that holistic support around volunteering around job readiness um, etc etc and probably one of the things that it probably just is also always worth saying is that whilst we um, use football as a tool actually it's a, it's a decreasing use of the game, uh, actually of the play, playing of the game, but actually what we do use is, is the club as a real tool to engage with people. But actually a lot of what we do is based on one-to-one sessions, is based on mentoring sessions, leadership programmes, you know, in classrooms, not necessarily always out on the pitch. Yeah, that's a really a massive breadth of, of both I mean, the, the age brackets, the people that you're working with, but also the things that you're doing with them. That's massive. 103, that's amazing. Um, yeah. So how do you go about identifying the people that you're helping? You know, is it a case of them contacting you and asking for help and assessing that or you reaching out to certain people? How does that all sort of work? So it really depends. So it's a real mix. So often that it will be self-referral of people coming to us and saying, I need a bit of support with X. So whether that's, you know, in adulthood that might be struggling with you know, their mental health, for example, coming along to our, to our Saints of Sport. But we also have a pretty substantive referral process working with GPs, community pharmacies, working with social services, youth offending service, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, and then in schools, we'll be working very, very closely with pastoral leads, deputy heads, et cetera, et cetera, to, to identify those young people that would be in need of that support above and beyond what the school can provide. So everything that we do is really based on partnerships with a number of organizations. But if we take school as a, as a main example, when we're working in secondary schools, we're not just going and engaging with a particular young person, but that is based on a, on, you know, a, a, a referral effectively an internal referral that's come from the school to say, actually this young person feels like it could, they could be someone who could do with some support around their, you know, emotional wellbeing or around their aspiration or around their leadership. And it's actually probably worth saying that through Southern Universities Network, which is a, a conglomerate organisation, which the University of Southampton is a, is a major part, are a funder of that programme, really about trying to raise aspirations of those young people who might come from a, from a lower socioeconomic group um, around their long-term ambition, whether that is going to go to university, whether that's around you know, job readiness or, or, or apprenticeships. Um, so we're incredibly grateful for that support. But effectively, if we break it down to what we're trying to do, we're trying to raise people's awareness of their potential and their their potential itself as well. So, but the, yeah, the referrals will come from a number of routes. Um, we would never really want to say no to anyone, but at the same time, what we do do is increasingly based on need. So, if someone doesn't really need us but just wants to turn up, that's probably something where we would we would have some questions. But it would it, it, it's normally based on 
a number of those things through from self-referral to a very, you know, in some projects, a very strong multi-agency panels that will will really identify groups or groups or individuals that could do with our support. And how has, if at all, the pandemic changed or uh, shaped the way that you've been working in the last year have you seen a difference in how you're having to interact with people Mm. or the the types of people that are in need and that you're working with or not so in the very initial stages of the pandemic when I think the world was a little bit of a mess and really people didn't really know what was going on and what was what what to do we we kind of redesigned our delivery model a little bit to be honest we had a really great group of people we've got about 60 full-time members of staff and, a, and and around about 60 or 70 casual members of staff at any one point in time and we had a bulk of people but really not the ability to work in the same way that we normally work so in that very initial stage we worked very closely with the with Southampton Football Club to provide food to the local community with a partnership with Fair Share so the club cook or the club chefs cook 13,000 meals across the course of 12 weeks which were distributed out via our staff into the community in partnership with, with Fair Share where we volunteered down at their warehouse in Totten um, as well as we ran the official prescription delivery service for the city which I think delivered uh, just over 2,000 prescriptions over the course of about four or five months and um, so people calling up and you know really saying I need this from a particular pharmacy and we would go and we would go and pick it up and deliver it so that was a uh, our kind of immediate response, which is very, very different to what we normally did. But as I say, we had a group of people who wanted to support, we wanted to support. So actually, that was our our way of doing so in that very immediate term. Slowly, we've got back to some semblance of normality, even though normal looks very different to what the normal normal would look like, if that makes sense. So things like um, a lot of um, online delivery. So our older persons program, for example, which used to be around 25 sessions a week in various kind of community centres, old, old, you know, uh, um, older people's homes um, in uh, sheltered housing is now mostly online or, or almost entirely online. So we do Zoom sessions, exercise sessions. We do uh, tea and chat sessions with older people. We have phone calls that are going on every day. I think we've made about 10,000 phone calls over the last year to older people across the community, um, which I think I, I, I'm right in saying is around about 50 days worth of calls um, that we've done you know, across the board if you're back to back as well as we've got a radio show that now goes out five days a week um, on um, Voice FM, uh, which is really an exercise session yeah, encouraging older people to keep to keep fit and well. When we've been able to as well, we've also done walks out in the community, so groups of older people meeting up at socially distanced um, you know, levels uh, with our staff and really, again, about that physical wellness, but also about that isolation piece as well. Um, so that's been something that we've been really proud of. We are slowly moving back, as you would expect, to face-to-face delivery. But a lot of what we've been doing with both older people and adults has been forcibly you know, online. So things like online qualifications for young for young people, all of our back-to-work programme, a 12-week programme, which again would normally be delivered face-to-face in the stadium, um, has been delivered online um, really successfully with mentors and various bits as well. So it's been a bit of a challenge, but I think probably, you know, you know, it's been a massive challenge for all organisations like the university to, to keep the, the, the normal way of working going and you have to shift it up. If you, and, and I think what I would say is we were an organisation that ultimately is set up to support people. Uh, and we, we, we pride ourselves on that, that we support people in need to try and raise their potential, to raise their aspirations, etc. If we couldn't have stepped up to the plate when society probably needs us the most then I don't think we'd be doing our job so that was our very much our attitude what can we do rather than what can't we do if that makes sense 
Yeah, definitely. And I don't want to put words into your mouth, but I'm just curious um, because obviously you mentioned um, you work a lot with people from lower socioeconomic backgrounds, whether and now you've had to sort of deliver more things online, whether you've seen more people needing help getting online or having that provision because we've definitely found at the university or we launched last year a online learning fund where we were um, giving money for students to be able to you know get better equipment whether it's laptops or internet or specialist equipment they might need to complete studies online I wondered if you'd you'd found a similar thing definitely particularly within again going back to our older people actually that was a real challenge so actually a lot of older people as you would imagine don't necessarily have access to or aren't necessarily upskilled in being able to log on to a zoom session so actually a lot of what our health team did to run our older people sessions was was to try to upskill um in the initial phases in terms of um from a young people's perspective absolutely as well um you know we did it's probably worth saying we did continue to work in schools with uh, you know with with individuals um, and work with the schools as well to to try to upskill and to facilitate that online learning as well for for younger people but yes a definite challenge which i don't think you know i don't think any organisation has solved that across the board you know it's a big thing to solve but definitely found that yeah i think we all know that the pandemic worryingly will make those people that were vulnerable probably more vulnerable and we've tried to put in place lots of mitigating factors to to be able to affect that but you know i think it's been it's been tough right so but but the simple answer is yes we we very much tried to make our activity that we never intended to be an online deliverer although interestingly we will continue to do a lot of this stuff because actually it works and actually An engagement does work and we will continue our radio show on voice fm because actually it's a great thing to do for for older people so but yes i think it, it's right in saying that there has been some real challenges with online delivery as as we know that schools have had etc cetera, etc cetera, so yeah definitely and i think that's the thing isn't it it's like recognizing that obviously this is an awful situation and yes everybody wants to get back to as close to normal as we can and doing things in person again but also i think the pandemic one of the very few positives has been that we have you know as a society as a world really had to adapt our um, processes whether that's you know schools universities charities wherever to get more online and to think of new ways to engage that's not necessarily in person that actually some of that I think is here to stay and it's, it's been really positive because we've definitely found from a university perspective, we're engaging potentially with new groups of people that we might not necessarily have done before when we're running events, for example. So like, you know, carers or people with dependents or mature students that, that might have jobs, might not necessarily have been able to come to events on campus before, but now it's much easier for them to pop onto a Zoom call. So we've found that actually in a lot of ways, there's been really positive benefits, which I imagine you found as well. Absolutely. No, completely. I think it's in the future, it will be a mix. We we certainly don't see ourselves as an organisation that will migrate to being entirely or predominantly online. We, we will be a predominantly face-to-face deliverer. However, there is definitely something around being able to engage those same groups or other groups that can't engage in person for whatever reason online as well. So I think there will be some le- or online you know, and via Additions. other means as well, you know, whether yeah. that's radio shows or whatever. So I think that's very true. We've also seen within our fundraising events, for example, which you know are important, they're not as important as the delivery that we're talking about today. 
but we've seen that the world has become a little bit of a smaller place when we do online events because people, Saints fans and others from around the world can log in, wouldn't normally be able to turn up to the stadium and support us. So that's been a positive. I think that, you know, for what it's worth, I think the other positive of the pandemic, and there aren't many, but there are you know, a few, is hopefully I do think that there is a growing community spirit, which certainly came out in the first few months of the pandemic in terms of actually people probably starting to care about their neighbours and their community a little bit more than they ever had before. So I really do hope that that becomes something that we see going forward as well. We've certainly seen in our sort of advocacy scores from fans and, and other people around the community that people are more aware of our work now and probably more positive about our work now. And we think that's A, because hopefully we've done a good job, but we also think that that's, there is part of that is just around people actually looking for s- support networks for people much more than they ever have before. So yeah, I definitely. think, as I say, I think we'd all agree there's not too many positives coming out of the, the struggles of the last sort of year or so. But if that is one, then, then you know, how, do we, how do we as a collective, as a society, make sure that that is, is sort of kept up? Because I think that could be a real positive legacy of a really difficult, challenging situation. Yeah, definitely. And you mentioned fundraising there. And I wanted to ask about that, because obviously, money is absolutely key to being able to deliver all of these really important programs and and support for people. Has obviously the pandemic has limited, you know, the kinds of events that you can do and things. How has your fundraising changed throughout this period? Okay, yeah, sure. So it's probably just worth explaining the the sort of the, the makeup of Saints Foundation's funding initially. So we're really fortunate that as a Premier League club, we we get a significant amount of money from the Premier League. So for all the uh, the negatives that come out in the media about the Premier League, there is some very, very, very strong positives about how they engage with the local community. So we are funded to do a lot of work via the Premier League and they do that same uh, funding model with other Premier League and also actually other football league clubs as well. So, yeah, so it's quite worth pointing that out. So that has stayed, just remained the same. And we also are very fortunate to have a number of grants from various other organisations, whether that's the Police and Crime Commissioner, whether that's Southampton City Council, Children in Need, you know, et cetera, et cetera, which again, um, have been very constant. And actually, if anything, funding opportunities that have come up via the pandemic through government parts, through, through trust and foundation parts have been quite positive in terms of, you know, because again, there is a real awareness of the need of the community. In terms of a public fundraising perspective it's been tough we normally do a charity dinner we do various quiz nights we do a big bike challenge we do various runs and you know various sort of challenge and engagement events those have been really tough so we've seen a drop off of that naturally um we did do an online fundraising event earlier in the year which was really successful we've had just had our charity match day via sort of online provision really which was which is also really successful it's a tough year. We we know that, and it we, and we we will be hopefully stronger coming out the back of it. However, yeah, I mean I mean our balance sheet this year isn't as positive as it normally is. But you know the reality is that we as charities build up reserve pots to be able to cope with rainy days, and ultimately this is probably the ultimate rainy day. And you know Saints Foundation is here to stay, and and will be long continuing. So you know we we've we've managed to do what we can from a fundraising perspective. We're aware of the the normal business community and individuals that support us have also been going through tough times as well. So obviously that's been a bit of a challenge, but um, ultimately, you know, it is what it is, and um, and and we've we've tried our best, and um, yeah. So it, it 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 it's been a tough one, but we've also seen 
a number of individuals give money on the basis of the work that we've been doing, but also probably going back to what we said before, I think an increasing awareness of need in the community of actually wanting to do something positive to support a charity that hopefully they think is doing good work in the local community. So we've seen, you know, a number of of anonymous and and public donations, as well as a number of checks that still come through the post to to me at the stadium, which is great, particularly from our older participants. So there's been a real positivity in that perspective, for sure. Definitely. And are there any volunteering opportunities if anybody's listening and think they want to get involved and help with uh, the great work that you're doing? Do you take on volunteers? How can people help if they want to? We do. We do. So we so it's probably just worth saying the vast majority of our work is delivered through paid members of staff. So as I say, we've got about 60 full time members of staff and around about you know, 60 to 70 casuals at any one point in time. However, we do have a volunteer strategy as well. So ultimately, what, what we tend to try to do is to have longevity of volunteering. So what we aren't really set up to do is sort of do experience days here and there where people come in and do uh, you know uh, a few hours with us. What we what we do tend to ask for is you know once a week for a a prolonged period of time. So if anyone is interested, then yeah, there is a link on Saints Foundation's website to be able to express interest, and then one of my colleagues would would follow up with anyone around their individual interest, their skill set. Um, the time that they can give, um, their reasons for volunteering. And then obviously we'd go through that process to get you set up. Obviously DBS checks, et cetera, et cetera, are needed to be able to do so. Um, but yes, if anyone wants to volunteer, then there is a very positive way to be able to do so. So obviously Saints Foundation is linked to the football club, but is different as doing different things. Can you explain a little bit about the the link between and then the difference between the two organisations? Yeah, no, absolutely. So, I mean, effectively, we're intrinsically linked and the truth of the matter is Saints Foundation wouldn't exist without Southampton Football Club. We're a representation of, of the club um, and we are, as I said before, we are, you know, the, the football club's way of, or one of our ways of giving back. We give back to fans in other ways, for example, but the Saints Foundation is is a way of giving back to the wider community. So, we are independently audited. We have a trustee board, um, which independently runs us, but we are intrinsically linked to, to the club. So we are housed here at the stadium. We use the IP of the club. We use the kit of the club. We are supported very, very heavily by the support services of the club. So IT, HR, payroll, et cetera, et cetera, are all club functions. So we normally estimate that if we were an ind- truly independent charity, there'd be probably around about 250000 thousand to three hundred thousand worth of costs which we would have to pick up as a charity so hopefully that support that we get from the club allows us to do more what we are is still an organization that needs external funding to be able to run so the club are very very generous with that in-kind support and sometimes you know some very generous donations but we aren't funded on a day-by-day basis by the football club it is our responsibility as a group to go out and find the money to be able to run our activity so in terms of that comes through grants, for example, comes through the Premier League, comes through public fundraising, comes through some form of commercial income. But truly and simply, we wouldn't exist as an organisation without Southampton Football Club. And hopefully, yeah, we do a good job on their behalf in the community. Amazing. Well, Greg, thank you so much for taking the time out to talk to me. It's been really interesting getting to hear about the work and and hopefully some some good news I think it's always nice to I think what you said earlier about the pandemic is I think people have really come together and there is more of that awareness of other people in your community and I think it's always nice to know more about what's happening because you know like like you say you know I like you very 
fortunate that I don't need the the support of um, Saints Foundation so I wouldn't necessarily know everything that you do or the work that goes on and it's really nice to hear about that so thank you for sharing. Yeah, just to finish off, I think that's probably our challenge sometimes is to let people know. So it's a really great opportunity to come, you know, onto your podcast, for example, to be able to share share what we what we do do and probably to try to put right a few misnomers about what we might be and, you know, all about football, et cetera, et cetera. So, no, really, real, real positive to, to chat to you and thank you for the opportunity to come on. You know, if people do want to find out more about what we do, we, we are on the Southampton Football Club website. And and also, if anyone wants to, please do reach out to us on social media or or via email as well. Yeah, and I'll put a link into the podcast description for this episode to your website. So if you're listening and you want to go find out more, if you just go into the podcast description for this episode this week and you can find it there. Greg, thank you so much for your time and and good luck with all the rest of your work. Thank you very much. And um, yeah, you take care. Thank you so much to Greg from the Saints Foundation for chatting to us on this episode. It was so interesting to learn about the work that they're doing. There's some amazing things going on. Hopefully that's inspired you to go check them out and find more about them on their website. Or maybe you're interested in getting involved and helping to volunteer where you can. Thank you so much for listening. As always, if you have any feedback about this episode or you have a topic that you'd like us to cover in a future episode, then you can get in touch by emailing studentcoms at sotonda.ac.uk or you can put a comment into the 360 Degrees podcast community group on Facebook. See you next week.